morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. It's great to be here in the kingdom. Um, Kingdom lost last week, but you know what? We're members of a kingdom that can't be shaken, amen? Praise the Lord. Um, It's a blessing to be here, and um, it's... uh, some of you don't realize we have a very um, eminent Bible teacher with us as well here today, Jill Chu. Yeah. Yeah. She's a blessing. We love Jill. Um, hallelujah. Uh, she didn't know what she was in for when her, her daughter fell in love with a guy from Kerry, but... Um, <laughs> Praise the Lord. I know I've told this story a hundred times, but I always think it's so funny. Her mo- Jill's mother had a book of Kerryman jokes. <laughs> she says, uh, she, in Scotland, over in Scotland, because obviously she's Scottish, but um, they used to be always sitting around the table reading Kerryman jokes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they always say that Kerryman people have the last laugh. <laughs> and did she know <laughs> that her great-granddaughter, or her granddaughter, would marry somebody from Kerry. So there you go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, Lord, we open our hearts. We open our hearts to your word, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord God, that, um, you know, your word says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Jesus' name. I want to talk about in his presence. And um, I love that psalm uh, where it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And... Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people get all sorts of religious ideas about what God is like. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, they feel it's not appropriate, um, you know, to laugh or to have fun. Um, but, you know, the Bible is clear that, that, you know, that there's joy in the presence of God. And, um, you know, that, that it's in his presence that, that we find that happiness, that we find that fulfillment, we find that peace. And... You know, when you think back on your life, on some of your most, you know, precious memories, you know, time spent maybe with your parents or maybe with your grandparents and maybe they're in heaven now and you think about when you were a little kid and how happy you were sitting on your father's lap or maybe being with your grandfather or, you know, doing things. I, I often remember my grandfather taking me for walks around around the town and I'd get back and my, my grandmother would be giving out stink to him for walking the legs off me and... Um, <laughs> You know, just just such fond memories of, of, of your childhood. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, maybe the day when you were married or the day you held your first, um, when you held your child for the first time. And, uh, you know, moments when you experience joy, when you experience happiness. And yet the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And so, uh, you know, all of these wonderful experiences that are part of life um, are just a pale shadow of, of the joy that we will one day taste when we stand in the presence of our Father. And so uh, I, I started last week talking about in His presence, and um, I, I'd like to start today again by reading Psalm 91, just a, as a reminder of, uh, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is deepest within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. It's so important we don't forget the benefits that are ours in Christ. Amen. And so we're going to read together. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Um, uh, and so it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor should any plague come near your dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up, 
lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Um, you know, what a wonderful sound. And when you think about all of the, the blessings that are listed um, in this psalm, you, you think of, uh, you know, verse 3, he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler. So we have deliverance. And from the perilous pestilence, we have protection. Uh, he will cover you with his feathers and under your, his wings you'll take refuge. That's peace. You know, so you have deliverance, protection, peace. Um, his truth will be your shield and buckler. And, and so we have revelation. Um, uh, you know, we have supernatural knowledge. And, uh, and again, just following on from, from what Pastor Rose said there, I, I think it's tremendously sad that we have parents who are, you know, making so, 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 so uh, many efforts and so much um, uh, sacrifice to get their children to, to college so that they can uh, become a success, so they can attain knowledge. And yet in reality, um, without the knowledge of God, without the knowledge of His Word, um, they're going nowhere um, because there's a huge difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. There's, there's a huge uh, a difference between um, uh, just mere earthly knowledge and, and, and revelation. And, uh, uh, and so, like I said, I think it's strangely tragic that, that you know, pe- people are taking their kids to swimming, they're taking them to soccer, they're taking them to football, and they never take them to church. And, uh, and remember, we're spirit, soul, and body. And so you have a whole generation that have never been instructed in the ways of God. I mean, people think, uh, oh, oh, it's wonderful that you have your children in church. Well, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's normal. It's the way it should be. Yeah. Train up a child in the way in which they shall go, and when they're old, they will not turn from it. I'm not surprised that, you know, my children are serving the Lord. And I'm not boasting. I'm just acknowledging our children are serving the Lord. But you know what? We trained them up from the time they were little. And, uh, and, 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 and I think it's important to understand that. I, I mean... Uh, you know, my, my, my middle son, Christian, he, uh, he loves soccer. And since he was seven, probably six, seven years of age, I've been taking him to, to play soccer. But about a year ago, um, his team, uh, his, cap- his, his trainer got all the team together and said, look, just so you know, we're changing from Saturdays to Sundays. Uh, is that going to be a problem? Uh, only one hand put up. And, and, that, and that was Christian, my son. And he didn't have any discussion with me. We didn't have a talk about it. And he said, um, I, I won't be able to play. And, and, and the coach said, why? He says, because we go to church on Sundays. And the coach came back to me afterwards. And he was so impressed. He said, um, he said you're, you're training up the kid in the right way. He says, uh, he, he puts God first. He puts church first. And um, and, and, and I just think, like I said, as a pastor, I'm dealing with so many broken adults. And, and, and again, I'm reminded of the words of Frederick Douglass. It's, it's easier um, to build strong children than to repair broken men. And unfortunately, we're dealing with broken men and women uh, who, yeah, they, they might have been educated according to the world, but they were never given the word of God. They were never taught the knowledge of God. And so, you know, the, the, the title of the message is In His Presence, because it's in His presence everything makes sense. It's, and so, you know, it doesn't matter if your kid understands crypto and understands economics and has a, a doctorate or a PhD. If they don't understand spiritual things, they will, you know, they will never ultimately succeed. They, they will never find, they might find wealth, but they won't find success. They might find fame, but they won't find peace. And, and, and ultimately, like I said, without the knowledge of God, nothing in this life makes sense. It doesn't matter how much you own, how much you accomplish, where you go, uh, how well known you become, it's all meaningless. And, and this is what we see in the book of Ecclesiastes when, when uh, uh, Solomon talks about, you know, all, all is vanity. I mean, because, you know, Solomon reached, uh, you know, the heights of success um, uh, probably that no other individual ever did in terms of wealth, success, notoriety. Um, Solomon had it all, and yet he said, all is vanity. And he wasn't speaking as a believer. You know, he was speaking, uh, you know, as, as a natural man who was in the flesh. 
you know, Solomon had a great beginning, but because he went the way of the world, and, and he, ultimately he, like I said, having hundreds of wives and, uh, you know, indulging the flesh, he came to that place of realizing, you know, that even though he had all this wealth, all this power, all this fame, uh, nothing makes sense without God. And that's why he said all, all is vanity. And I think, you know, that's, that's the tangent this country is currently on. And this is why we have to pray for uh, the next generation. Because without the knowledge of God, we end up in darkness. We end up having teachers telling children they descended from apes. And then we wonder why they act like apes. You know, we, we wonder why they act like animals. We tell them we're just refined animals. And we, we wonder why they're killing each other in the streets. Uh, you know, we, we, we turn from the knowledge of God and, you know, Romans chapter 1, uh, you know, deals with this very, very uh, clearly. It talks about um, uh, professing to be wise, they became fools. And, and, and we're seeing that because we're seeing, uh, you know, uh, our, our politicians and our, our teachers and our educators and, uh, you, you know, people in positions of authority, people, highly educated people, um, who, who, when they're asked the question, what is a woman, uh, they, they can't answer that. And, and uh, you know, people, like I said, highly educated people wanting to teach boys, they can be girls, girls, they can be boys. And so, you know, it's just an indication of, of the, 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 the darkness and delusion that's taking hold of our society and, and, and which Jesus warned us of in the end times. I mean, when the disciples asked Jesus in Matthew 24 and again in Luke 21 about the end times, the first thing he said, take heed that you be not deceived. And so one of the characteristics of the end times um, will be deception and, um, uh, you know, worshipping of the creature rather than the creator. And I think the whole climate change movement is part of that deception. Um, you know, where people want to, you know, worship the, the creation and, and, and ignore the creator, where, where people want to embrace the gift and yet deny and, and reject the giver of that gift. And um, it says for the verse 16 of Romans chapter 1, um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And we're seeing that active suppression of truth in our society with the, you know, big tech censorship. Um, uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's striking. You know, the battle ultimately is about truth. Yeah. And, and, and we're being told that you have to believe a lie and you have to pretend that a lie is true. And, uh, and, and this is where I think, this is, I, I honestly believe Christians are such a threat to this kind of globalist agenda because ultimately our lives are built on truth. And it's, it's truth not defined by man, truth as defined by God. And, and, and therefore, we represent a major problem to them because, uh, you know, everybody else can be brainwashed. Everybody else can be, can be you know, drag, dragged along with the current, so to speak. Um, uh, but, you know, for a Christian who holds truth, who holds true uh, to what the Word of God says, um, uh, you know, we're much more, uh, you know, resistant uh, to the lies that are being uh, propagated. Um, because, again, uh, whether it's with, with, with gender or sexuality, these other things, if you believe what the Word of God says, you know, Genesis one twenty seven, he made them male and female, um, that, that is a problem. And that's why, again, I, I would not be surprised if down the road, the Bible once again becomes a banned book. Um, uh, and, and we've seen that historically throughout Europe where the Bible was banned and where people were, were, were killed for even having it or for trying to translate it. And even today in places like North Korea and China, um, you know, you can, you can be killed over simply having a Bible. But... Um, it talks about the, you know, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And this is why we must, even if we're living in a society that is seeking to suppress the truth, um, and uh, you know that's that's a fact. I mean, if I preach on certain issues in in a sermon, um, you know, you have an algorithm, uh, you know, whether on YouTube or others, that will will try to make sure that nobody else sees that message, and. Um, it's about the suppression, suppression of truth. And why is that? 
It's because Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And there's nothing more potent or dangerous to a lie than truth. And that is why, you know, irrespective of how crazy our world becomes, we have to determine to, to walk in the truth and, 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 and to, to stay in the truth even if nobody else does. And uh, it says, because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. You know, I just took a walk with my beautiful little girl last night up the Black Valley. And I mean, just looking around, how, how could you deny the existence of God? I mean, it, it, when you look at the beauty of God's creation. Uh, and, and, you know, I just I was just filled with so much gratitude last night. Because I, I just started thinking about how, you know, 30 years ago, I, I left Kerry. I had nothing. And I came, came to Dublin. And, and, and today, to, to, to look, you know, God has blessed me with a beautiful wife and beautiful children and, and a ministry. He's, he's done so much. He's been so faithful. He's been so good to us. And you know what? All of us have so much to be grateful to God for. And you know, our problem is too many times we're fixated on the one thing God hasn't done. And we forget the 10,000 things he has done just this year alone. The amount of times he's lifted us, guided us, directed us, encouraged us, freed us, forgiven us. Um, lifted us and so uh, the, the Bible says it's manifest to them so anybody who denies God does so uh, you know denying what they know deep down in the inside and that is that God is real and and he, like I said you cannot behold the creation without realizing there's a creator um, you know it's, it's about as stupid to look at, at, at you know at that wall and, and see that rising and say isn't that beautiful that just happened no somebody put it there Amen. And so when we behold art, we recognize there's an artist. Um, and, and you can see art in, in God's beautiful creation, a beautiful sunset, a mountain, you know, the, the beauty that surrounds you here in Kerry. You, you don't just see art, you see order. And, and so when we see order, we must understand there is somebody who put things in order. And, and uh, you know, those chairs aren't the way they are. They didn't just fall out of the sky. Somebody put them there. You, you see order. Anybody who studied science, anybody who studied physics, um, you know, the laws of, of the universe, there's order in how things go. It's not chaotic. There's, there's order. There's design. I mean... Uh, uh, you, you look at our human body, you look at us on a cellular level, you look at the creation, you see design in so many things. And when you see design, you recognize there's a designer. I mean, uh, uh, it, you know, I, I, I have a, a little, I shouldn't have shown you this, somebody said, good God, he's going to be talking for another half an hour. Um, but there's, there's design. Uh, somebody designed that app that, that has a countdown on my phone. I mean, the, the phone itself was designed. And so, again, we, we, we just come back to the fact that, um, you know, God has made all of this. And so, for, since the creation of the world, his um, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And so this is, this is the issue we're facing in our generation, because uh, when we do not glorify him as God, and, and I would say this applies to Christian and non-Christian, because there's some Christians who don't glorify God as God, because they're still doing what they want, uh, living in the way they want. And, uh, you know, and I don't believe that, that, that honors God. We need to glorify him. We need to honor him. We need to acknowledge him in our decisions, our associations, in our, in our living, in our giving, in, in every aspect of our lives. And it says, because uh, uh, let me say this, there could be more people here Sunday morning. Oh, but Pastor, I'm, I'm tired. I have things going on. Listen, it, it's, it's, it's about understanding that uh, uh, the world doesn't revolve around you. Rather, you know, God has to be at the center of our lives. And if he isn't, nothing else is going to work. And, and so uh, this is the problem. Too many times we'll make, we'll make time for, for eating. We'll make time for sleeping. We'll make time for our work because we have to. Uh, we make time for all sorts of things and yet many instances people don't bother uh, to make time for God and I think many in the church have learned some really bad habits during COVID many people are quite happy now to sit home and watch the screen I'm sorry that's not how God has, has called us to serve him the Bible says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and that's not just about watching on a TV screen it's about physically getting off your rear end and getting into church on Sunday morning because you want to honor God I mean, this isn't some sort of a club. This isn't some sort of an obligation. This is something that we get to do because we are the people of God. We are the church of God. And Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, anyway, um, 
it says they're without excuse. And ultimately, when we stand before the Lord, we'll be without excuse. There'll be no use us saying, oh, well, Lord, uh, uh, this or that or the other. No, we have to, we're going to be without excuse. And, and so we have to obey and honor God um, in our generation. There's no use us saying, well, Lord, people would have laughed at me. And it, it wasn't easy back in Ireland. And it wasn't, no. We're going to behold him who has holes in his hands and his feet, the one who's not ashamed to hang on a cross and was mocked on our behalf, the one who suffered and died for us. And every one of our excuses on that day will ring hollow. When we stand in the presence of people like Peter and, uh, uh, you know, crucified upside down, John boiled in oil, uh, you know, uh, 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 Paul the Apostle, uh, uh, you know, uh, beheaded in Rome, uh, all of these men and women who paid a price to serve the Lord, uh, we will not have any excuse on that day. And so let's live our lives and give God our best. And um, because, again, this is what I started last week talking about where in Revelation 2, um, where Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And so we must understand that if we want to walk in God's presence, we need to, uh, you know, we need to rearrange some things in our lives. We need to rearrange some of our priorities. We need to prioritize God, prioritize his word. And, um, and, and, and so anyway... They're without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but were, uh, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made uh, like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness. And so we see this continual slide into darkness, into depravity, into confusion, and, and ultimately, uh, I would say, our society into paganism. Because the further we go from Christianity, uh, the more we revert into the, into the pagan barbarity that our societies came from. And, and you, know, there is no, uh, you know, there is no middle ground. We're either going towards the light or we're going towards uh, the darkness. And, 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 you know, we're seeing that. Uh, like I said, you know, millions of babies every year just being uh, around our world now, just being, uh, you know, aborted um, and, and professing to be wise, they became fools. And so, uh, you know, this idea, uh, let's start killing all the cows, you know, because of uh, climate change. Let's, uh, let's eat worms instead. Let's, uh, and, and, you know, they, they're serious about this. Uh, uh, and, and, and what it is, it's, it's, it's the man's mind being darkened because he has turned from God and suddenly he wants to be God. Because ultimately, this whole movement is rooted in man trying to play God. We can, we can change the weather by charging you higher taxes. We can, uh, and, and so it's just a man with this deluded sense of self-importance uh, deciding I can now be master of the universe and what it is it's the original lie that Satan bought into where he said I will ascend above the throne of God I will be like the most high and so uh, we, we must be mindful of the, the, the spirit of the age um, uh, you know that is working through many of these movements and organizations many of them many of them well-meaning I understand that but um, if you've studied history, uh, I, I think it would be important to, to, to recognize that, you know, some of the greatest disasters in history were um, perpetrated by, by well-meaning ideologues, by, by, by people who decided they knew, they knew better, by people who decided they could, you know, uh, do this without God. We see this with Mao, his great step forward at uh, the turn of the previous century. Um, I, I can't remember how many million uh, Chinese people starved to death um, because, you know, he, he decided, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, communism was the way and that they could, um, you know, ch change, change all of their farming methods, etc. And, and, and so, you know, a lot, a lot of these changes are made in a very naive way, but there'll be some very real consequences. And this is why we have to pray and, and, and realize um, food is important because we all need it. And, and so, you know, when you see governments, like I said, here in this country, just wiping out peat production um, and just like that, and suddenly, you know, you're, you're actually importing it from thousands of miles away, and that's, that's meant to make sense. I'm sorry, that's, 
man being utterly foolish and making these uh, uh, changes. And, and suddenly, you know, electricity, uh, uh, the price of fuel goes way up. Um, uh, and it'll be the same thing with meat. And, and it won't stop with meat. It's, 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 it's an agenda, I believe, a demonic agenda, but it's, it's a consequence of man being darkened. But what I'm, I'm trying to say is this, the answer is found in his presence. Because we can focus on what the, the, the enemy is doing, or we can press in and, and, and recognize, you know, we're not meant to be just mere spectators watching all of this craziness happening around us. You know, the, the, the answer is found in his presence. And this is why we must seek the Lord. We must seek his face. And um, because, uh, uh, anyway, uh, we can be, we can so be so busy um, that Christ has no place. And, and I would simply say that, you know, this is what Jesus said, I knock at the door of your heart and ask. If you open the door, I'll come in and eat with you and you with me. I read that last week. And the book of Revelation, chapter 3, that was not written to unbelievers. And a lot of evangelists use that verse because it's nice. Come open the door of your heart to Jesus and you'll come in, etc. But it wasn't written to those who are unbelievers. It was written to the church. And I think it's tremendously tragic that some believers are so busy that Christ has no place in their lives. You know, you're so busy with social media. You're so busy with Netflix. You're so busy with your career. You're so busy with family, with so, all these other things that are going on that you're making no time for him. And so, again, it's so important that, that we make time uh, for the Lord. Uh, let's uh, look in uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And verse 38. Now it happened as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And, and, and absolutely it was a tremendous honor for them to have Jesus, for Martha to have Jesus in her home. And obviously she was, you know, she was flying around cleaning and, and cooking and and, and doing all these things. And Martha here decided to plonk herself down at the feet of Jesus. And, and understandably, Martha was flustered because she'd known so many things to do. And, um, but Martha was distracted. Uh, verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And, you know, in this generation, we're so distracted. We've so much going on. We've, we've phones ringing. We've emails pinging. We've social media, you know, all of these uh, TV. We've uh, all of these things that are vying for our attention. And, and sometimes we can become so distracted. Like I said, you know, Jesus talked about the parable of the sword. Other things entering in. He didn't say evil things, just other things. We can just get so caught up in other things that we're making no time um, uh, to spend with the Lord. And this is what Martha was doing. She was caught up in other things. They weren't bad things. She was looking to feed Jesus and the disciples. And she was, but she was missing the main event and because um, she was distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving. She um, approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Uh, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Do you know that there's, there's beauty in simplicity? Um, there, there, there's power in simplicity. Paul said, this one thing I do. Paul was focused. And uh, he didn't say these many things I do. He said, this one thing I do. And, you know, if there's one thing you do on a daily basis, that should be that you come into his presence. It doesn't mean that you neglect your children, you neglect your home, you neglect your job. Yes, there's all things we need to do, but this is why I think it's good to get up early in the morning and spend some time with the Lord. But either way, we have to prioritize His presence. Because, you know, I read all of these, um, uh, all of these, you know, blessings and benefits in Psalm 91. Deliverance, protection, peace, uh, revelation. Um, you'll not be afraid of the terror by night, assurance. Um, nor of the art that flies by day, preservation. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, health. Nor of the destruction that is waste at noonday, longevity. A, a thousand may fall at your side, preservation. Ten thousand at your right hand, separation. Um, verse 10, no evil shall befall you, security. 
nursing any plague come near your dwelling. Your family is safe. Um, uh, your, your family is covered. Uh, uh, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways supernatural protection direction um, in their hands they'll bear you up unless you dash against the stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra that means the demonic attacks that come against you are, are going to be defeated so deliverance and, and victory um, therefore will I deliver him breakthrough uh, I will set him on high because he's known my name honour um, uh, he will call upon me and I will answer him answered prayer um, I'll be with him in trouble God's comforting presence um, I will deliver him and honour him honour and promotion with long life I'll satisfy him and show my salvation long life and eternal life and, and you think of all of these blessings and benefits I've listed throughout this end but it all starts with the first verse it all starts with dwelling in his presence it says he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And this is the problem, is too many times we're frustrated because we're not seeing the benefits. But remember, God made it very clear to us, it's He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And so there are some Christians who don't dwell in the secret place. There's some Christians who actually, I'm not sure if they even know the way to the secret place, because they're so busy, so distracted, so worldly. And, um, uh, but you know, when we learn to prioritize his presence, just like Martha, and, and make time to sit at his feet, to read his word, to pray, like I said, go to Bible school, to study the word of God, uh, to so, show, show yourself approved. Uh, I mean, it's, it's good that we work for God, but uh, this is the problem. Some people are so busy working for God, they never spend time with God. Amen? And so, um, uh, you know, the definition of business, I think this is interesting. It's the quality or condition of being busy. Lively but meaningless activity. And so, Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 essentially speaks of someone who once was close to God but now is far away. And, and so are we caught up in, in lively but meaningless activity? I mean, because like I said, if we can spend uh, an hour just scrolling on our phone or, or just you know, going through channels on our TV, um, it, it, might be, it might be lively, it might be engaging, but ultimately in the light of eternity, it's meaningless activity. Um, and this is why the devil wants to, to keep you uh, from the word of God uh, because he knows that uh, if he can keep you from God's word um, you know he can bring you on, on a wrong direction because God's word will keep you from sin and, um, and so anyway Luke 24 talks about did not our hearts burn within us while we walked with him and, um, and this is the problem you know what we can grow cold I mean, I remember people used to say to me when I was a young believer, your relationship with God will change. You're not going to be so radical. Um, and I came to the conclusion even back then as a young believer, no, it's a choice. I said, yeah. you know what, I'm going to stay on fire. I'm going, to, I'm going to give God my best. And you know what, it's your fault if your fire goes out. It's your fault if you become lukewarm or compromised. And so the message today is simply an admonition to come back to his presence, you know, to reconnect with your creator. Because yes, you might be tired, you might be busy, you might have any number of things that you need to do. But Jesus revealed the pattern and principle to a successful life in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. So all the things that you could waste your life pursuing and working towards and trying to make happen and you're staying awake at night worrying about it. If you would just simply learn to come into his presence and put the Lord first and seek him and walk with him, all the things that you desire would, would be manifested as well, would be added to you. You wouldn't have to pursue them. Mark 1.35, Jesus rose a long time before daylight, went to solitary place and there he prayed. And so Christ lived this principle himself. Jesus rose a long time before daylight, went to solitary place and there he prayed. Jesus prioritized the presence of the Father. I'm going to ask you, are you doing that yourself? Amen. Amen. We, we, we all have an invitation from the Father to come. And so God is more concerned with us knowing him. Amen. Than with us working for him. And so we must learn to prioritize, prioritize his presence. Nothing is more important than this. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Uh, let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boast, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. 
that I'm the Lord, uh, working righteousness um, on the earth. I mean, so do, do you know him? And are you pursuing that knowledge um, of him? Because, you know, Jesus has invited us to come, but we must answer the call. <coughs> and so um, Isaiah 40, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He says, even youths go tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but those who wait upon the Lord. And um, I wonder if we have emphasized working at the expense of waiting. Yes, it's good to work for God. It's good to serve. You know, find somewhere in the church that you can serve where you can help. But again, working is important, but even more important is waiting, waiting on him. Because it's only like Mary, when we put aside the pressing issues of life aside and, and take time with the Lord that we truly encounter the King. Because, you know, it's in his presence you find peace, protection, uh, provision, purpose, and so if we lack these things, it may be an indication that we're neglecting time in, in the presence. Because, you know, in the presence of the Lord, because Jesus said this, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way where? Well, the, not just the way to heaven, but I believe the way into the presence of the Father. And, um, and so, um, anyway, John 14 and 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And, um, uh, you know, another verse says, uh, I will love him and manifest myself to him. So I believe the Lord wants to manifest himself to us, uh, but we have to take time in his presence, in Jesus' name. Uh, John fourteen twenty three. my Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. So the Father has invited us to come to him. Uh, so that we can walk and live in his presence. And, um, and, and so I'm just going to quickly cover one point. That I, I have probably four or five that, that would, um, uh, but I'll have mercy on you today. Uh, <laughs> I, I could talk for another hour and a half on this issue, but it, it is such an important issue because if we can learn to walk in his presence, I'm telling you something, your, your mental health will be transformed. People talk about mental health really when people talk about mental health, what they're really talking about is, is I, I believe, spiritual health, because your mental health is a reflection of your spiritual health. If you have poor mental health, it's an indication that you have poor spiritual health. Because when you're strong spiritually, it affects your mind, it affects your body, it affects your relationships, it affects every aspect of your being. Amen? Uh, Paul prayed this, I pray God your spirit, soul, and body. And again, like I said, the, the, I think the issue we're facing right now in our generation is that we have a generation that, that has been, you know, yes, uh, they're highly educated, uh, but, but you know what, uh, education and common sense are two different things. And, and that's why you have, like I said, people with letters after their name you can't say what a woman is, who are, believe that you can actually somehow change gender and all these other things. It's, it's an indication of the darkness we're in. And so uh, people uh, spiritually are not awake. They're not... Uh, educated spiritually, they're not strong spiritually, and as a consequence, they're struggling with panic attacks, anxiety, depression, addiction, dysfunction, perversion, confusion, and um, all of these issues really are rooted in the fact that people are spiritually dead. They're spiritually, uh, you know, not, uh, uh, I suppose, connected with the Creator, and when you're not connected with your Creator, nothing makes sense. So, um, Anyway, in his presence, we must know a number of things about in his presence. And I'll just deal very quickly with the first, and that is pride has no place. Proud people don't pray because uh, they think they can do it by themselves. And, you know, it, it, it's a sobering reminder of, of the fact that if we're too busy to pray, it's an indication that we're proud because we think we can make, you know, we can make it true but by ourselves in our strength. And, uh, and yet the truth is, if we don't know the Lord, and if we're not walking with the Lord, it's an indication um, of pride. Because 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And so we must humble ourselves uh, before the Lord, because pride is no place in his presence. And, uh, you know, Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, 
a Holy Spirit before a fall. And Satan is an example of this. I don't have time to turn there, but Ezekiel 28 talks about how he was literally kicked out of heaven. And um, even though he was this amazing uh, archangel, you know, that he was in the very presence of God, but when proud, when pride was found in his heart, um, he was kicked out because pride is no place in his presence. And so if we're proud and arrogant people, uh, God will only ever know us from a distance. You know, the Bible says God knows uh, uh, the proud from afar. And, um, but, you know, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, that is when we're inviting his presence into our lives. And that's why you see people, you know, who are proud or arrogant, you know, the type of person who will never apologize, they'll never admit they're wrong, they'll never say sorry. Um, they'll never really experience the blessing of God in their lives. They'll never really experience the presence of God. And so... Um, Luke 10 and 18, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And so if God dealt with the archangel who led the very worship of heaven in this manner, what makes us think that he will indulge pride in us um, in spite of our ta talent and ability? John 4 and 6, but he gives him greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. And so the Bible says if God resists the pride, if God, if God resists proud, the, the proud, and so if God is resisting you, know that things won't go well with you. Um, you know, the truth is this. Some doors aren't closed by the devil. Some doors are closed by God because he sees we're not ready. We might have the talent, we might have the qualifications, we might have the ability, we might have the desire. But if we don't have the humility, he's not going to open that door because he sees we're not ready. Because the, the very thing we desire, if he was to give it to us, it would destroy us because of the pride in our hearts. And so we can bind and rebuke all we want, but sometimes it's, it's not the devil is holding back the blessing. It's actually us. It's the pride in our hearts. And, you know, I often think of all the people that have left our church over the years offended um, and, and uh, at times offended because of the great gift they had that they didn't think was recognized. But the problem is that wasn't the only thing we recognized in them. We recognized pride. And, um, and so anyway, I mean, people sometimes get frustrated by why God isn't blessing them or using them because of their uh, great talent. But if you just listen to them for a few moments, you can discover exactly why. And it's because they're proud. Um, Philippians 2.2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and 4 in the New Living, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and yet endures through every circumstance. So love never fails. But one of the characteristics of the love of God is that it's not proud. And so, you know, the reality is this. You can be full of God or you can be full of self. And, 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 and you know what? Pride stops us from being full of the love of Christ. And so humble people are, are full of God. I know about you. I know what I want to be full of. And Romans 12 and verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think of yourself with sober judgment according to the measure of faith God has given to you. And um, this is the, the honest truth. Many of us are guilty of focusing on ourselves and our needs far too much. We're guilty of thinking and talking um, about ourselves. And, and it, you know, I think many of the problems in the world and in the church are rooted in pride and selfishness. I mean, how many church splits happen because of pride? How many, you know, he's not talking to her and she's not talking to him. And usually it's, it's pride. And even in, in our own marriage, I mean, I, I've learned that if you will just humble yourself, it's, it's so easy to resolve differences. If you just humble yourself and not take an arrogant attitude, well, she's not doing this for me and he's not doing that for me. Or whatever. But when you actually humble yourself, I mean, I'll be honest, I've come to that realization that any time when I've been offended, um, usually it's pride. It, it, it may not, it, it, I mean, it may not be the case that, that, that the other person is right in what they're doing, but the fact that I'm taking offense 
the fa fact that I'm getting angry, it's usually rooted in pride, thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. It doesn't mean you have to become a, a, a doormat, but it, it was St. Augustine said this, it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. Numbers 12 and 3, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. You know, Moses was a tremendous leader, greatly used by God, but he was also humble. He didn't seek the position. He didn't try and dominate. Rather, he served the people. And so, this is the thing. is just, if we want to walk in the presence of God, I believe we need to humble ourselves. Uh, just like the son, the prodigal son, who had been in sin and rebellion. I don't have time to, to, to read uh, all of this, but the Bible says he came to himself. It says when he came to himself, he said, I will now return to my father's house. You know what happened? He humbled himself. And he had to have the humility technology. You know what? I was wrong. I messed up. And uh, because before the son left, he was saying, give me. But when he returned, he was saying, make me. And the difference in his attitude was humility. The, the son left in pride, but he returned in humility. And as long as we insist on walking in pride or exalting self or indulging our, sin, our, our selfish desires, uh, you know, we will be shut out of God's presence as well. And this is why, again, if we truly want to walk in God's presence, we have to humble ourselves because it was pride that drove the son from the father's presence. And it was grace that brought him back. Uh, you know, it was grace that opened his heart and his mind, you know, to, to the thought that he could return home. And it was... It was grace that enabled him to hear the, the voice of the Father calling him back into his presence. And, you know, what I really, really believe is this, is the Father is calling every one of us back into his presence. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for six months or 50 years. Either way, the Father is calling you to have a deeper walk with him. And like I said, when we see the, 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 the craziness happening around us, and, I'm, uh, and, and again, I don't believe we have to be anxious or fearful um, but I do think we need to be aware of what's happening. But, but you know, particularly when we see all of these signs of the times, I, you know, I believe we are moving towards the end. Who knows how long that is going to take, okay? But clearly we can see the signs of the times. Jesus spoke about the birth pangs, you know, the, and, and the closer you get to the birth of a child, the stronger those pangs become and the closer together they come. And so we're seeing, you know, uh, just recent years in particular, whether it's, you know, with, with COVID and then with, uh, you know, with the, the, the war in Ukraine and, and, and now it's the climate change and now they're going from climate change to climate boiling and, and it's all about fitting people with fear and anxiety and, and, and again, there's a reason why when people are afraid, it's easy to control and manipulate them. People who are afraid are very easy to control and that's why, again, as a believer, if you stay in the word of God, uh, you become dangerous to the devil because you're not going to be afraid. And uh, you're not going to be manipulated. You're not going to be deceived or confused. Um, and this is why his presence is so important. Because it's in his presence we get a correct perspective. It reminds me of a scene from, uh, I think it was the, the, the Hobbit, when they were, these, these, little, these little hobbits are walking through a, a forest. And, and this forest had um, uh, was, was kind of poisoned. This, this huge tree up, up, up till eventually he breaks through out of the poison there and suddenly he can breathe again and he's no longer drugged and he can see clearly. And, and that's what God's presence does for us is people in the world are under all of this confusion, all of this darkness, all of this depravity and they're wandering around in circles and they don't know where they're going or what they're doing. But when we make the effort you know, to come into his presence. Psalm 73 talks about this. Um, you know, but when I came into the presence of God, then I understood their end. And it's in his presence that we, we get that vision of heaven so that we can stay on course. It's in his presence that the burdens are lifted, the chains are broken. It's in his presence that we find that peace that we, that we seek and that we won't find from the things of the world. In his presence is fullness of joy, just like I started. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so let's just stand to our feet today in Jesus' name. Um,
crazy, geez. John, if, if you could maybe just start playing on the guitar, or you, maybe, yeah. Yeah. if you could just grab the guitar there, you just start playing. Let's just take a few moments in his presence, amen? amen. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise and glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. If you could just close your eyes, and um, let's just acknowledge the Lord in this place, because, the, you know, the, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, all of us have fallen short in so many different ways, but you know what? God is a faithful God. He is faithful. And, you know, the Bible says the good work God has begun is he's going to complete until he's coming in glory. And so, Lord, I know you, you see every person here, Lord God, and, and you want them, Lord, to know you in a deeper way. You said he who dwells in the secret place. Lord, teach us how to dwell. Because I think some of us have become so distracted and, uh, you know, uh, praise God. Just like my, my son said, uh, Put down your phone and come to church. Put away your phone. You know, I think some of us need to learn how to put away our phones and put away our remote controls and put away all of these other things and just get quiet in your presence, Lord God. Thank you, Father God, because it's in your presence that things make sense, Lord. And, um, and no, Lord, we, we, we see that with Elijah, Lord, that, you know, that you weren't in the fire and you weren't in the earthquake, you weren't in the wind. And afterwards, a still small voice, Lord. Teach us how to hear that still small voice, Lord God. Teach us how to prioritize your presence in Jesus' name. Teach us how to prioritize your presence, Lord God. We just want to take a few moments right now, Lord God. Could you just start to thank God for what he has done in your life, in Jesus' name. If you have you know, a wife or a husband, if you have children, if you have people who love you, if you have relatives, family or friends, maybe you're still single, but you know what? God has great things in store for you in your future. And, you know, if you're healthy in your body, uh, if, if you had a bed to sleep on last night, a roof over your head, how many people have been, how many people are homeless? People, you know, how many people are hopeless? Lord, we have so much to thank you for, Lord God. Thank you so much for all you have done. All you have done, Lord God, in our lives. Thank you that we are saved. Thank you that, that, that you saved us, Lord God, that you delivered us, Lord, that you broke those chains of darkness, Lord. You know, you saw us where we were in the, in the clubs and, and doing all those things, Lord. And, but, Lord, you brought us to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending us your Son. Lord, I want to thank you so much for every good thing you've blessed me with. Just, just begin to thank him right now. Just begin to remind yourself, forget not all his blessings. Forget not all of his benefits. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for our children in Jesus' name now. All of our children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of our children in Jesus' name. Thank you for our loved ones. Thank you for our friends. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our hope. Thank you for the blessed hope of heaven. Lord, that no matter how dark this world becomes, we know this world is not our home. That heaven is our home, Lord. That, that you have gone to prepare a place for us, Lord God. And if you've gone to prepare a place for us, you promised to come for us again. That where you are, there we may be also, Lord God. And so, Lord, these are, are, are very real uh, promises and assurances that you've given us, Lord God. That, that, that there is a place at the table set for us in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Lord God. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for those so many times you've protected us and delivered us, Lord God, and broken the chains of darkness, Lord God, and protected us from the attacks of the enemy. Thank you for all of those times you've forgiven us, Lord, and cleansed us and lifted us out of the miry clay, Lord God. For those times, Lord, you broke the chains of darkness, Lord, and set us free from those prison houses in which we were kept. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much, Lord, that your, 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 your hand of protection is upon our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for those times you've directed us, Lord, when we didn't know which way to go. We didn't know whether to go left or right or straight on. Or, Lord God, but in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the assignments and attacks of the enemy, Lord God, you, you not only protected us, you guided us, you directed us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, but you are our shepherd. You are the shepherd and bishop of our souls, Lord. You are the good shepherd, Lord. You, you lead us and you guide us, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Lord God, that you're leading and guiding us even now. You're making things clear to us. You said as many are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Thank you that we never have to be worried about the future because you hold our lives in your hands, Lord. You hold the blueprint, Lord. You know our, our yesterdays. You know our todays. You know our tomorrows. And therefore, we can trust you, Lord God. We can trust
trust you because you know the way even when we don't. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our good shepherd who gives your life to the sheep. Thank you that, and you said in your word, your sheep hear your voice, the voice of another, they will not follow. Thank you, Lord God, that you are leading us, you are guiding us, you are directing us. You are leading our children. Your hand is upon our children and our, our, our relatives, our friends, our family, Lord God. Thank you that your hand is upon this nation, Lord God. Your, your hand is upon Great Britain, Lord God. Your hand is upon America and Israel and the nations in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And therefore, we can trust you, Lord God. And Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us to come into your presence, Lord God. You're teaching us, Lord, to answer that, that gentle call that you give us, Lord God. You don't, you don't shout. Sometimes you just whisper. Teach us to be sensitive to the whispers of God. Teach us to be sensitive to those, those gentle whispers you give us, Lord, to rise in the morning or late at night to pray and to, and to study your word, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Teach us, Lord God, how to come into your presence in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Could you just begin to pray in the Spirit? If, if, if you know how to pray in tongues, just begin to pray in the Spirit right now. You know, sometimes that's just the key to stepping into His presence. Is just begin to pray in the Spirit. And David used to say that. It's when you pray in the Spirit. It's, it's, it's a doorway from entering from the flesh into the Spirit. Amen. Forgive us, Lord God, for neglecting time in Your presence, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for being so in the flesh. Teach us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Teach us to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Lord, forgive us for giving hours to our phone or our TV just minutes to your word. In Jesus' name, Lord God. Thank you, Father God. We commit, Lord God, we commit to give you the time, to give time to your presence, Lord. To give time to your presence, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now begin to sing in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, let's begin to sing in the Spirit.
all these other things I need will be added to me. I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give me a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Just before I finish, you, if you could just thank you. I want to ask you, and, and maybe everybody's here saved, and that's wonderful, but if you're not, if you don't have that assurance that heaven is your home, that Jesus is your Lord, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer today. So if you don't have that assurance that you've been saved, that you've been born again, that your past has been wiped out and that you're new in Christ, if you don't have that assurance that you're ready for heaven, put your hand up and I'll pray for you. Everybody else, if everybody's saved today, amen. I see that hand. God bless you. Well, if, if you could just uh, all bow your head and say this simple prayer together with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, Dear Lord Jesus Christ I, believe in my heart I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect life, and that when you died on the cross, you died in my place, bearing my sin and shame. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, and forgive me my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Um, if anybody is sick in, in your body, uh, we'll lay hands on you and believe God for his healing power to touch you. And um, hallelujah, if, if you're all well, then praise God. I'll hand it off to Rose. God bless you all. We love you. Bless you.